Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Robins on the Wire, a Bristol Post podcast with Michelle Owen and Bristol City reporter Gregor McGregor. Hello and welcome to Robins on the Wire, episode 107, as we continue our analysis of Bristol City's travails covering the 2019-20 season as it is. This weekend, obviously, they got the win against Barnsley, left it late in 87th minute. Winner from Nicholas Elias, and what a season he's having. His third goal of the season, I believe, to go along with all of those assists. I wasn't there myself, but my sports editor, James Piercy, was there. I was away having a, a little uh, weekend birthday treat, going over to Berlin to watch some Bundesliga football um, just for um, a change. But I'm back at Reading on Tuesday. I caught up with James on Thursday and we discussed that Barnsley game who stood out against the Tykes who who, who um, stood out for the Tykes and also all the latest transfer news as regards Bristol City and the club hoping to recruit players in the January transfer window before I before we play the catch up between myself and James here's a little bit from Lee Johnson who explained uh, how he's feeling after that Barnsley win that does actually give the Robins three wins in the last four league games after victories over Luton, Wigan and Barnsley. A lot of people writing off those uh, matches, actually, by saying it's just wins against the bottom three. But I think if you look at the results that Leeds and West Brom have had lately, and there was a great tweet doing the rounds explaining that, that those teams right at the very top of the table have found it difficult of late in the Championship, only winning both against Birmingham City in their last 15 matches in the league. And that shows just how tough it is in the Championship at the moment to get victories. So to get just to get three wins out of four is pretty good going for Bristol City, even though it's teams at the bottom of the table. Nobody has a right to beat anybody. And we do know that the club wants to recruit. They're aiming to bring in some at least one or two new faces next week, if not maybe three. Um, so we'll see how they do. So here's Lee Johnson after the Barnsley match. I'm not sure whether there's an actual word in the dictionary to uh, describe the emotion when Nicholas finally put that one in because it felt important, you know. We had to apologise with our performance, if you like, from Tuesday night. I think that was important. And I thought we showed real commitment. I really like Barnsley. I think you can see the work and the quality um, that the new managers brought to the to the attacking press and we had to go a little bit more direct today um i thought fan worked really hard i thought he was a colossus in terms of aerial duels and uh, it was important that we lifted the ball over the press and every time we didn't manage to do that well barnsley nicked it and uh, they're very very busy on the break so i felt we deserved the win um i think barnsley are a good side a plucky side and i'm pretty convinced that they'll stay up um but more importantly for us, that felt a big win, given the fact that it's now three wins in four in, in the league. Yeah, some goals are bigger than others, and that was a big goal in your season, wasn't 
Well, I think they're all big goals, you know, like, listen, we're not going to throw the baby out with the bathwater. We know where we need to improve, we know where we need to add, and uh, and the boys are honest, and I think... What I mean is, on top of Tuesday's result, if that had been a nil-nil draw, the, the people going away would have been totally different feeling. I mean, Nicholas has changed the atmosphere totally. Away from the yeah, well, listen, we always want positivity. Without question of a doubt, positivity is important. It's no different whether you're at this football club or, or Man United or Rochdale, you know, it's important. And, and we're all very, very happy uh, that we've got this win because it gives us this 10-day period now where we can really enjoy life and, uh, and work hard and try and concentrate on beating Reading. Nicholson had so many assists this season, so nice for him to grab, grab the glory then, I guess. Yeah, I was chuffed for him because we've been doing a lot of work with him sort of arriving in goal-scoring areas, you know. He's naturally, he always wants that ball to feet wide and trying to get him to, to be narrower sometimes and be the one that sticks in and, and finishes it, like Bowen, for example, at Hull. So, yeah, I made the switch, obviously brought Callum on, um, put Nick that side and went with two centre-forwards and uh, Jay De Silva's great little run provided um, provided the opportunity for Nicholas to be free at the far post and <laughs> we squeezed it in. thought he should have got one before that, to be honest. Um, and obviously for Mara's chance, but then again, Barnsley had some really good breaks as well. It almost seems like neither side wanted to score a time, there were some really good chances missed, weren't there, today for, for both, yeah. both teams. But Jay, Jay at the end there, I mean, he's had his fitness problems this season, that's a testament to his fitness that he could get down that way at that stage. Absolutely, and I think the the last 20 minutes was always going to open up in this game. Um, the way that they play, the way that they press so hard, so constant, it was, it, it's hard. I've played a diamond before in and, again, and as a manager. It's hard to sustain a 90-minute period in a diamond. So that last 20 minutes was always going to be important. And uh, look, we've had some horrible things happen to us this year. Horrible. And that's why I'm so proud of the boys. Just everything, injuries, off the pitch, you know what I mean? People like Jay De Silva, we haven't had him for like four months, you know what I mean? Callas, we haven't had the real Callas at the moment. It's like Superman slept on a bed of kryptonite for uh, for six months, you know what I mean? And then we've had, um, like obviously, Benick out. I mean, these are big, big players for us, like a lot of talent in those players. And uh, for the boys to still be fighting, still competing, and in a, in a typical championship game where both sides caused each other problems. So where are you now? You're one point off the, off the playoffs still and you've got the, chance, the rest of the transfer window. Did you feel it's imperative that you bring people in or, are yeah, you, or could you get by with the squad you've got? Well, I, I think it depends what your ambition is. I think that we need to bring a couple in. Um, I think that you need quality, not quantity. And, uh, and that's the problem, if you like, because there isn't a lot. <laughs> And, uh, and if you've got one, you've got to either go the extra mile financially to do it, whether it be on a long term or a short term, um, or you've got to stick with what you've got and, and obviously promote from within. Um, our squad is okay. We've tried to reduce the numbers um, for, for dynamic reasons to make sure everybody mentally feels like they've got a shot of playing and, and be involved and they feel involved, which I think is important. But... I'd be lying to you if I didn't feel it was very important for us to bring a couple in. You've obviously possibly missed one or two targets already for one for one reason or another. So how, how long is your how long is your list? That bit is not down to me. I don't, without putting too much pressure on Mark Ashton, uh, 
that's his job. I have the pressure of winning football matches, and uh, of course, the, the the talent ID is down to me. But uh, it's his job to do his very You're best. There's not much around, you know. I no, I don't think that. I don't think there's not much around. I just think that not much is moving, because it's like a house, you know, like a house chain. If something happens in that particular club where a player gets injured, or what happens is the chain completely falls down. Where players, we want that their players. Play, uh, teams want our players. Do you know what I mean? And teams at that club then can't get rid of their players, and, and it, it's a it's a domino effect um, that moves through football. And what more than likely, what you're going to see is a, is a mad rush probably in the last 48 hours of the window. Any more live questions, or can we go to Mondays? Uh, well, yeah, either. Well, ideally, just just on the transfer line you were saying there. Um, I mean, are you talking about the championship market, or? Well, yeah. It, listen, you know your place at the table. It all stems from the top level and what they do, and what they're willing to let out. Because inevitably, the quality comes from there. Yeah. Um, whether it be young players, and then it then becomes either a financial reason or a falling out if you're going to go and get another championship player, or you recruit from lower down where you're going to have to pay a hefty price, if you like, because it's a January tax, and uh, and we or you go foreign which you don't really want to do because you you know that it's hard to 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 come into England into the championship and hit the ground running I'm not sure how many be interested to see the stats on how many strikers for example come over in January and bang in 10 goals from abroad um, is it a problem that the, the, the same clubs are looking at the same players to a degree yeah of course because then there's there's so much that goes into it, like, if only you knew. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what I mean? If you're talking agents, agents' fees, family fees, like, there's all sorts of fees coming out of everywhere at the moment. Um, and it is a very, very expensive window. But there are people desperate chasing that, that honeypot, if you like, of the, of the 200 million that it's worth to get into the Premier League. So there's various ways to do it. Uh, I would be happy with my squad as long as you could guarantee me no more injuries um, but unfortunately that's unrealistic in this crazy intense championship that we're in and uh, I feel like we need a couple at least You said about it depends on your ambition what, what, what do you mean in that kind of wider sense do you mean that ambition has to be shown in terms of bringing someone in or well, yeah, your ambition's got to be shown on the pitch, first and foremost. Do you know what I mean? Like, you've got to go and try and win football matches. Um, listen, you look at, other, you look at like Fulham squad last night. It's a fantastic squad. Like, it's a real, that is a, do you know what I mean? That is a top, top squad. Um, and they're, they're who we're competing with. So we've got, to, we've got to get the same sort of quality, whether that's nurture, purchase, develop, doesn't really matter. Um, but that's, that's, we are ambitious, and we've got to prove it. Um, on, on the pitch, on the park. Can I just, sorry, just a couple more, just on Jamie Patterson's role today, yeah. seems to be playing quite a bit deeper than normally. Um, we well, we played 4-1-4-1 four, one, four, one, yeah. um, to lock out the middle and then, like I say, try and go a little bit more direct, try and isolate quick players in wide areas. Um, Jamie can play in the 10, he can play wide on the left, obviously I brought him on wide on the left um, against Wigan and he, and he changed the game for us with his input. Um, but today I wanted him in, in a sort of 8-10 position as we call it and I thought it was good obviously I made the change that was like it was one of those like 
could have made the change maybe 10-15 minutes earlier but I felt like Pato was was always got that bit of feel if you like and that bit of grace in the way he plays mm. to create a chance so uh, yeah luckily we got the sub right today at the right time and uh, that proved with a goal the head coach there and without much further ado here's what James had to say on that narrow 1-0 win over the over Barnsley and also as we discussed all the latest transfer news and what might even happen in the final week of the January transfer window so James you were down at Ashton Gate this weekend watching the 1-0 win over Barnsley a couple of questions on that to start off with what do you think worked well for Bristol City in that game and, and what didn't, both, both sides of the drum? That's a good question. Um, what did, I thought Jeju and Vyman played very well and I think they played very well as a pair, which isn't a great surprise given they've been playing together for, for quite a long time, quite an established duo now, but I thought Fam sort of continued his good play. I don't know, what, we took about a month, six weeks? He's been in good form now? So certainly a month, hasn't it? He was, he was very strong. I mean, City, as, as Lee Johnson admitted after the game, knew that kind of Barnsley would try and play so to counteract that went more direct he had a lot of heading to do a lot of holding up of the ball a lot of chasing channels which we know he does um, and he did it pretty well Um, I know he did miss two or three very good chances well two pretty good chances Um, one set up by Vyman which he kind of got slightly off balance turn and spooned it Um, but actually if you look at that chance back it was set up by an absolute towering header he made from like a Dan Bentley bomb that like nobody would want to header and he leaps up he's, he's backpedalling he's watching it all the way and then he sort of flicks it up to, the, to his left for Vyman perfectly into the path of Vyman who burst mm. down and crossed it back and he put it over so it's a shame that didn't go in because a really good goal so that did that, that worked well Jada Silva was exceptionally quiet I thought for the first half but then after about an hour kicked into gear and kind of reminded everyone of like what he can do a great assist obviously oh, that's what I mean I mean fantastic run he, well he won the ball didn't he and then and then burst forward and there's a fantastic run and a really good pick out as well how he picked out Elias in the back post the other thing in terms of the goal what worked well and kind of he spoke about after the game and Lee Johnson spoke about was Elias and getting himself in scoring positions because he's always been this winger who literally just kind of exists in these pockets on the touchline gets the ball crosses it in but they've worked on him making diagonal runs into the penalty area and he had a chance from a, from one cross which he put over after Vyman had a shot blocked which he probably should have scored from was an easier chance than the one he did score when De Silva played him in and he, and he, he put it away quite nice into the corner so that was good seeing Elias and getting in scoring positions um, defence were you know uh, well certainly um, uh, Nathan Baker and um, Ashley Williams were pretty good in terms of their blocking and the, the sort of the, the textbook the defender they did but the big problem for me on the day and um, was a concern was how easily the, the midfield was bypassed by Barnsley um, Barnsley play this kind of nice pretty sort of one-two touch almost like movable triangles through midfield mm. and they just were playing their way round uh, uh, Josh Brownhill Corey Smith and Jamie Patterson Jamie Patterson I thought had a really good game on the ball but off the ball not so much mm. um, Brown, Josh again not quite at the levels we've, we've come to expect um, Corey Smith again flashes he, there was a couple of nice moments for him on the ball but I think defensively as a collective so I wouldn't want to sort of like pinpoint individuals because that would be unfair but as a collective midfield 
the, the, the centre part of it, it was just all a bit too easy for Barnsley to play their way through. Um, and it had they had Barnsley had sort of more convincing finishers because as good as kind of Connor Chaplin, Jacob Brown, um, uh, Luke Thomas, the winger, as sort of nice players they are, and all, in a way you kind of look at them and think, do you know what? They're, they're, they're like Lee Johnson type players. You can see Lee Johnson really liking those guys. Once they got in those scoring positions, they didn't have the conviction um, or the sort of the, the, the calmness to put the ball away. But obviously a team like Brentford do um, which I know is a bit of a jump but like Brentford mm. play nice football and then when they get in the final third they're clinical Barnsley didn't have that so they got out of jail a bit on that front but you know there was good things to come out of the game definitely yeah. uh, when, when you've been listening and reporting on Lee Johnson for a while you know that a big thing of his coaching is is uh, impressing the word pomo onto the players position of maximum opportunity oh, okay. he goes on about that a fair bit and um, that's obviously something he's brought to play with Nicholas Elias and that'll be exactly what they've been saying to him get on to that yeah the back post when uh, the ball is coming in from the other side so yeah good to see that from Elias and um, in terms of yeah Barnsley players who stood out for you anyone yeah well the front three as I said yeah. um, I mean Thomas I think has been considered in the past when he was uh, was he at Cheltenham and he went to Derby is that, is that his path where was he or is he from Cheltenham sorry I'm, I'm, I'm sort of brainstorming it but he's from, he's from that neck of the woods yeah. and he, he just, he's only 19 as well still so you kind of think he looks a talent, you know, he yeah. looks a talent. Chaplin is, is playing exceptionally well he's obviously one of the informed players in the championship at the moment and he, and he really he, he, you know the way he sort of broke the lines coming off the flank mm. linking the play um, looks really good he, he was really good and then Jacob Brown was, was, was very useful as well um, so certainly in the final third they, it, it was kind of difficult actually if you look at that Barnsley team they all played quite well um, I think the overall sort of consistency of the, of the 11 was better with Barnsley's but ultimately City had two or three four maybe individuals who produced on the day whereas Barnsley as a collective were better Mm. Um, so yeah I mean they're the sort of team and sorry to hear sorry to say this if you're if a Barnsley fan happens to hear if they go down you can imagine City looking at two or three of their players and thinking (laughs) yeah we'll have a bit of that Um, it's amazing since the game that Bamboo Diaby was left out um, reportedly because he has failed a drugs test and I believe um his manager spoke about it after the midweek game this week to say that there was a process taking place but no official word will be made or official comment until next week so we don't know for certain on that but it's been reported by several different outlets not too sure if that would have made a huge amount of dif- uh, difference on the day what position is he centre back he is ah ok so, because the left back they had so. to change their left back um, is Barry Williams he absolutely cleaned out Jack Hunt at one point and right. do you know what you could make a case for it being a red card he then got substituted about two minutes later and the guy who came on in his place um, Killian I forget his surname sorry he was basically for the Eliasson goal got drew, drew to the near post from Vyman's run mm. leaving Eliasson free so obviously the RB was a left back but yeah so that yeah um, and yeah just picking up on one of your points there I just wonder if Bristol City do lack a ball winner in midfield I know I know a few of the fans have picked up on this and been, dis- been discussing this recently because I wouldn't describe it Brownhill or, or even Smith really is as, or certainly wouldn't describe them as league leading ball no winners, they so. do a bit of it so, yeah they do a bit of it but I think the thing is with a ball winning midfielder as much as anything you know you almost when you say the phrase ball winning midfielder you think of like 
you know, just like, uh, I mean, the Kante being the classic one. But while Kante does put himself about in terms of his tackles and kind of the energy, which Corey Smith brings a bit of and Josh Brownhill brings a bit of, what Kante is brilliant at is, is just his positioning and reading of the play. Mm. And what Marlon Pack had, so Marlon Pack had that, as, as we know, his positional play was really, really good. But obviously, as he's got a bit older, I think his kind of speed with possession wasn't at the level that Lee Johnson liked so that's why he's moved on so they need almost like a Marlon Pack positional player but with a bit of grit as well who can put his mm. foot in and a bit of energy finding that player is obviously very difficult because well Lee Johnson yeah. said himself if N'Golo Kante was available to me and I could yeah. take him so that's obviously he knows he needs he needs yeah. a, a Kante type yeah I'd say the league leading guys in those positions so obviously Calvin Phillips yeah. you know, right up there linked with Premier League sides one guy who always stands out um, statistically, um, looking at most tackles made per game per 90 and interceptions on a Wilfred Ndidi kind of level even, is um, Joe Williams and the player that they looked at last year. He's been a Wigan, he's been a bit injured, but he's another one. I just wonder if they might look to bring in someone like that again in the future. But that sort of leads us on to transfer talk. And um, yeah, we, as we understand it, they're not really looking at defenders or um, even defensive midfielders at this moment in time, they are prioritising on strikers. And um, yeah, there's a lot to <laughs> chat over this week because it seems like they've refocused their efforts in um, on the likes of Lyle Taylor of Charlton, Ivan Tony of Peterborough, and Narky Wells of QPR. Burnley, stroke Burnley, stroke Burnley, Burnley, stroke QPR. Yeah. Well, who do you think would be the best to, uh, to bring in from those guys? Who would you like to see come in? What, what do we know about them? Do, you, do we think any of these are going to happen? Well, it, it, seems, so it's, it seems, you know, obviously we won't bring up he shall not be mentioned at that Premier League club. Um, <laughs> and Connor Wickham, that seems to have, I think, basically Crystal Palace are asking too much in terms of wage contribution and a lot of championship clubs are thinking nope on that one, um, especially when you sort of take into account the, the, the kind of the injury risk there. Um, so I think we're down to the, the to, <clears throat> we're not down to those three, we're at those three and potentially there's some more in the background. But there's obviously jostling in terms of which of those three are more realistic. So I think if it, who, who's the most suitable? Well, each one's kind of got attributes and it kind of depends on what you want, really. Mm. So this kind of idea of proven, it's always got to be proven, you know, we want a proven number nine. If you're looking at those three, who's the most proven? You're going straight to Naki Wells mm. in terms of his... I know he's having potentially his best season of his career, but he's got four, five and a half seasons of championship football in him. He's always scored goals, double figures. Yes, he's having a great ca campaign with QPR fitting into their system nicely. There's no reason playing, they kind of play with natural wingers. Obviously City have natural wingers. So there's no reason why he couldn't slot in here and continue that form. Um, he, 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 you know, he's got a lot of attributes that you see are appealing. The, the one thing I would say, obviously he turns 30 in the summer, so kind of where's the resale value? But I think City are kind of do are looking at it in a bit more of a short-term gain kind of scenario. So if you want if you want a proven striker, you're obviously leaning towards Naki Wells. Now, Lyle Taylor is kind of Wells-ish in terms of what he brings, but obviously hasn't had that level of championship football. But if you actually speak to a lot of people in football... He's almost like this kind of under-the-radar talent. I know he's 29, but he's played a lot of his football in the lower leagues. And he's a little bit of a late developer. 
Um, and he's got injured at bad times. And I know, you know, everyone's like, well, he's hardly played in the championship. But if he had a full season and a full run of fitness, he's good enough to be, you know, among the top 10 strikers in the championship in raw talent alone. He has had sort of issues a bit strong, but like uh, concerns perhaps about his kind of personality. He can be a bit of a high maintenance personality or a unique personality, I think it's probably fair to say, in terms of his outspokenness. Um, so he's maybe more of a sort of halfway house between the next guy we're talking about, which is going to be Ivan Tony. So at the one end, you've got Wells, who's kind of the more established guy. You kind of got Taylor in the middle, and then you've got Tony in terms of he's only ever really delivered at League One level. Also, he's going to be the most expensive. But I think if we previously had a conversation, he's ultimately got the highest ceiling because you know what you're getting with Wells. You know what you're getting to an extent with Taylor, but perhaps there is a little bit more because, you know, his kind of, like, ability at championship isn't quite known yet. Whereas with Ivan Tony, it's like what he's done in League One, he's still only 23. There's a lot of raw talent there that that should develop, should grow, and he should, should, should get better. So the potential ceiling, and then you get into, obviously, the concept of resale value, which we know football clubs cherish so much. So it's all about... Without knowing exactly what's going through Mark Ashton and Lee Johnson's minds right now, it kind of depends on what they want from their number nine. And of course, the big thing is which one is attainable. Mm. And that's and that's yeah. kind of almost that's almost that's like the overriding sort of yeah. s- circle around it all. We should probably say, just in case you have been living under a rock this week, that basically the stories are that Naki Wells, uh, we believe Bristol City are interested in. It's been reported elsewhere as well, and also Nottingham Forest today may have come in come in for him as well. And um, Burnley are believed to be studying offers, and he, I think he's out of contract in. Well, he's out of contract in the summer, but they have a 12-month extension, which they're obviously going to take up. And Yeah, and he's obviously playing very well at QPR at the yeah. moment. It remains to be seen whether he stays there for the rest of the season on loan or whether Burnley recall him. They do have a clause to recall him. Uh, on Lyle Taylor, it emerged that Bristol City have made a bid for Taylor and apparently included a player, and we believe that it was Casey Palmer, who was offered to Charlton as well. So there's a bit of a knock-on story here, in a, in a way. What does that say about uh, the future for Casey Palmer at Bristol City? Or maybe it was only a loan, um, we, we um, need to clarify that. But, yeah, it does seem that they're very interested in Lyle Taylor anyway. And then, yeah, Tony is the one that's emerged today. We understand that there's a serious interest from Bristol City in Ivan Tony, but he is going to cost a pretty penny. And I think Peter Bravoli said, haven't they, that, that he's, um, he's not going anywhere this January and nobody could afford him. However, is that just bluster and is that just a, a negotiating stance to maybe hike his price up a little bit? So... Yeah, it remains to be seen what Bristol City can do, really, with those guys. Um, Maybe, um, I mean, I'm going to mention pie-in-the-sky talk here, Mm. the likes of Dwight Gale and Britta Songbalonga. But those guys, it does does look remote, yeah, just the the cost of the wages. so. So, yeah, we're probably focusing in on just those three at the moment. Um, Yeah, I was going to go on to outgoings, though, and... If those guys do cost a lot of money, then one way possibly that Bristol City could afford it is if there is a significant outgoing. Now, we reported earlier this week that Josh Brownhill, we've discovered, has got a 
a release clause in his contract that kicks in in the summer, which means that Bristol City will need to, well, don't need to, but will likely consider any high offers before then because it just makes business sense. They could lose him for a fee of around £7 million in the summer, but anything higher than that will surely um, be given close scrutiny and we understand that that could happen in the next seven days. So there's a chance that Josh Brownhill might leave the club. And if he does go for a, a big fee, then maybe it could be used on one of those guys. Um, do you, does that kind of deal, does that kind of trading... Well, that's the word, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, he's, Mark that's, Aston, that's his yeah. word, isn't it? The trading, player trading. And, 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 and I've often had this sort of like theory that Bristol City kind of exists almost like an American sports team. And obviously what they do in American sports, they trade. They don't buy and sell, they trade. And I do think when they look at their their, their board or Mark Ashton's board, it's got targets and it's got scenarios to get to those targets and it's got potential outgoings. And you don't need to be... Um, you know, uh, you don't. You know, it takes probably a few few goes of championship manager to look at the fact that Burnley would like Josh Brownhill, Bristol City <laughs> would like Naki Wells. You know, let's get around the table and Press see if something can be done. Precisely. Yeah. Um, now, there's lots of sort of moving pieces within this. Um, you mentioned about interest Nottingham Forest. Obviously, you'd be thinking that QPR might want to buy him, might want to make him make his move permanent. He's obviously settled in London for the last 18 months. That has to be an option for him. So that then sort of muddies the Burnley to Brownhill potentially or doesn't even make it about that. Um, but certainly if you're getting a nine, eight, nine, ten million um, offer for Josh Brownhill now, you're taking it because you're knowing he's more than likely, almost certainly, going to go for seven in the summer. It just has to happen. I mean, is, 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 is Josh Brownhill... Um, and I don't mean this in a disparaging way, but is that sort of like financial difference enough to make you just sort of write off the difference, I don't know, two, three million quid, write off two, three million quid because you want to keep it to the summer? Because City are reasonably well stocked in centre midfield. Obviously, Joe Morrell can come back. I don't think Liam Walsh is coming back, but that is an option. Um, you know, Naj, Masengo haven't played of late. They should be relatively fresh. Corey Smith's come back as well. So centre midfield is an area... Um, that they could and the fact that he's Will Volks I know he's not going anywhere with that but this Will Volks rumour that's come out does indicate that maybe they are looking at another player in that area mm -hmm. um, so maybe that's a replacement for Brownhill so I, yeah. I, I, I do I do see that as a potential goer uh, a lot has to happen and, yeah. and the other thing with part exchanges is as well obviously we all like to sort of like have these kind of like fantasy this happens for this, put this player in and for here, but it, they do rarely happen. Yeah, I was going to say, would you swap Brownhill for Tony and Taylor? I, I think... In, yeah, in, I mean, in terms yeah, of like, yeah, yeah. I mean, if you're, coming away, the, if you're coming away from a window... So ultimately, if you're losing Josh Brownhill for £7 million in the summer, yes, OK, you're reinvesting in that, but that's still, you know, that's still abstract to an extent. But if you know... You, you sell Brownhill now and you know that you can then get the thing is I don't know if that's going to cover Taylor and Tony no, that's the trouble that's the trouble to. it needs probably a little bit more but obviously you can put you can work Wells into the Brownhill deal and then have a bit of change perhaps then to put towards Tony and blah 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 um, so you know there, there, there's, there's lots of there's lots of sort of permutations to how this may go and, and what, what may happen is it all kind of exists in isolation and they're not tied but it, it does seem there's you know spinning plates moving puzzles however you want to put it in terms of ingoings and outgoings of the club I 
commentary have said that they've been told by Bristol City that Liam Walsh is going to remain there for the rest of the season. But it hasn't been confirmed either way on um, Joe Moreno. Well, it's been deliberately left open. I mean, yeah. whenever whenever he speaks about it, it's so, always been. Yeah. I'm so not my sure. understanding is that basically they might be looking at that as yeah the cover bet, bet really, um, depending on what happens with Josh Brownhill. Leave that open. Possibly recall him if, if Brownhill does move on, and then yeah, bring in the strikers as you said there. So uh, we'll see if that is the trading they do indeed do next week. In, um, just to round off. Uh, Antoine Semenyo still um, we haven't resolved his future yet um, he's on the bench on Saturday yeah we we understand that he has been told that essentially he can leave to go out on loan as soon as Bristol City bring in a forward player so we do expect that to go through before the end of the window and of course Bailey Wright um, club captain for for a couple of years um, left this week and um, it's been a good servant for the club yeah I mean uh, you know it's, 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 as you could see from the reaction I mean I'm sorry picking out on social media is always a bit naff isn't it but you know you could just see the, the kind of the warmth everyone felt towards Bailey Wright because you know for want of a better word a more say a poetic word he's just a really good bloke um, you know, he's always won. He's always stopped to talk to us. He's always he's one. Of, he's he's a player you know will always stand up and talk to the press in in, in good times and in bad times. Very down to earth, humble guy. All the community stuff he's done for the club. You know, every, every fan who's ever met Bailey Wright has always come away saying, "Oh, what a great guy." So Sunderland are getting a really good sort of personality and character in the dressing room, and hope he he, he sort of gets him gets himself to a level where he's playing and obviously can then earn a, earn a, earn a good contract at the end of it because, you know, it's, it's, I don't think he's coming back to Bristol City or getting a contract here in the summer, is he? No, and um, just to round off the podcast, I'm going to uh, introduce um, Nicholas Eliasson. He's, he was... Was it yourself that spoke to him? Yeah, it was yeah myself and um, uh, uh, Graham Nicholas from the Sun um, after the game on Saturday. Obviously, after his uh, star turn, as it was his match-winning goal. And he's having a great season, and this is what he had to say. Uh, yeah, it was an amazing <laughs> feeling to, to to see the goal go in, especially that late. Uh, it's always a little bit uh, special, so a good feeling. Yeah, definitely. I think you'd missed one a bit earlier. Did yeah, you? Yeah, I did. Was yeah, that so on your mind a bit? Yeah. So <laughs> I had a, quite a similar situation a bit before, and yeah. uh, I think Andy Weiman had a shot, and yeah. it came down to me, and I was not really expecting the ball to come, so uh, I was a bit off balance. And then in the second one, I was trying to be a little bit more composed and just hit it low and. It was a nice feeling to see it going. We got some great pictures of you running behind the goal with mm. your shirt off. Did you get booked? Yeah, I think I did. Yeah. <laughs> you think you did? <laughs> Not sure they're very happy with that. But I don't get that many uh, yellow cards anyway, so I think I'll so, be fine. So you're not, yeah. not going to worry about the caution, nah, are you? Probably, hopefully not. <laughs> uh, the manager mentioned you've been working on getting you in more offensive positions in terms of your shooting. How, yeah. have, how have you sort of adapted to that, if you like? Uh, yeah, definitely. That's been one thing that, uh, that the gaff has been... Uh, like on me to, to do more because obviously this season I had a, quite a few assists and he, he's been telling me to, to always make that uh, position on the back post when the ball is on the other side and, and I think all my goals this season really like the three goals I think all they've been in that kind of position where uh, where the ball just dims down in front of you and you can just score an, an easy goal really so uh, no it's been really good uh, helped my game to be fair You're playing exceptionally well at the moment and like you've almost become Bristol City's most sort of consistent attacking player for no disrespect to teammates but in terms of like every time you get on the ball are you, are you aware the, the crowd sort of is lifted when you get on the ball? Uh, yeah I really appreciate that I feel like uh, like when you get the ball I think like they, they give me that extra energy and I think they do that to, to loads of other players as well but I can just talk for myself and that it gives you that extra confidence and that extra boost of, of really trying to 
trying to perform well for them as well and trying to make sure they come to the game and, and uh, find the games exciting. And that's something we're working on as well to, to make sure that we perform well, get the result and also can, uh, get, can do something that people want to watch football and come down and enjoy the game as well. And how have you kind of made that step up, if you like? So it's your third season. And yeah. That's right, isn't it? Third yeah, season. third season. So yeah. do you feel? Like, how do you... Yeah, I think, I think since I've came to the club, I think I've developed a lot as a player and like both experience like on the pitch and like learn a lot off the pitch as well. So uh, no, I've just tried to work hard every day. And and doing extra gym work, same as <laughs> And then, uh, yeah, I've been... Um, uh, just tried to. He's <laughs> seen the photos. Yeah, he did, yeah. <laughs> uh, he said it's a fine if I put it on Instagram without it. <laughs> so uh, no, it's, yeah, I've been like working hard, like on everything really, like tactically, defensively, these parts, and also work on like offensive parts, like where like it's my like my best parts of the game to create chances and and also trying to score goals as well in them areas. So it's been like hard work and just try to, to take every game and every training and make sure you do everything you can to, to get better every day. Do you get much coverage back in Sweden? Do people look at your results and everything mm, like that? Yeah, I, I think so. Yeah, they're yeah. Quite, they're, it's like in Sweden, they follow championship quite they good. Do. Yeah, yes. yeah, like they show the games sometimes. And, and um, yeah, I think it's... Uh, most of the people like especially my friends family and uh, yeah, they always try to look to look at the games and, and see the results and that so I'm happy for that do you think they'll be watching that goal yeah the, I think so I had a few messages so hopefully yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Then, the, sorry, sorry, the Barnsley manager was having a bit of a dig about the style of football in the championship like the long ball game and I think your gaffer said he had to change it up a bit to get the balls over the back of them because they were pressing high mm. what do you think is it entertaining the championship or do you uh, worry as the type of player you are that it's a long ball game. Uh, yeah, I think I think it's a great league to be fair. Like probably we see players coming from other leagues in Europe, like good leagues in Europe and, and don't find a championship that easy. So I think that just says that it's a tough league to play in and especially with now I can, I can only say since I've been here so it's been like it feels like the league is going forward every year like uh, clubs are buying good players from abroad as well like France, Spain, Portugal and, and I feel like the league is it's not just kicking along it's like playing good footballers that can play in the Premier League as well. So I think it's a great league and, and very competitive as well. They're like playing Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, so it's a tough league and I think very developing as well. Did you have to adjust when you came here? Um, yeah, I Did think it took a bit of a time, to be yeah. fair, to, to get used to like, the physicality, the tempo, and also, it's like I said, good footballers as well. It's not just the league where it's like, physical that people probably think if from abroad as well, because it's a second league and championship yes. and that. But I think people, if they come and watch the games, I think they will see that it's good footballers in his league as well, definitely. I was going to say about national team. Um, is that in your mind? I mean, it must uh, be Yeah, mind, of yes. course. Yeah. Uh, like Sweden obviously qualified for the Euros in the mm. summer, so, uh, and I've been playing in the, like, from the 17s all the way to yeah. 21s, and, and the next step, obviously, is to into the senior team, and hopefully I can keep doing well in the championship, and... Uh, and uh, yeah, that's will all I can do. You playing well in the championship, will the, will the manager notice? Uh, yeah, I, I, yeah, I think so. I think I think they follow uh, the the Swedish players oh. that play abroad in in good leagues in Europe. I think they follow that, and especially if you can perform well and get minutes uh, quite a lot, then I probably you you probably will be. Uh, one player that they will look at and then every, all I can do is to, to keep performing well and try to, to do everything I can and then we'll see what happens but my focus is to, to do well here in the club at Bristol City and then uh, if, if I get a call up I'll be more than happy 
that would be a dream as well since 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 I was, since I was a kid. But my focus is to perform here and then take it as it comes. Could I just ask about your contract? Because Lee said a couple of weeks ago you've been in talks mm. for quite a long time mm. now. Um, is there any sort of development from your side on that? Uh, all I can say really, I'm really happy at Bristol City. Uh, I've said to to my agent and to the club as well that it's easier if they to they, they do that talking in between them really and uh, and I can keep my focus on performing on the pitch and so many games as well so I don't want to be like thinking about contracts or and all these things so I just leave it to them and then hope, like they will find the best solution for everyone probably so uh, I'm just thinking of doing my everything I can on the pitch and then yeah so great to hear from James and Nicholas Eliasson Elias and really is a standout player, isn't he, this season? He's developing very nicely at Ashton Gate, blossoming game by game even, and he really has taken his, his, his play to another level this season. Do you think it might be hard for Bristol City to keep hold of him? But we'll see. Um, according to our sources, Bristol City do hope still to tie him down to a long-term contract, but we'll have to see if that does actually play out like that. And, of course, yes, the January transfer window is upon us. The final days, the final moves being made by lots of clubs, everything changing all the time. In fact, I have to say probably that by the time you listen to this, there might have been news on other targets. We are expecting Bristol City to do some final market moves in the last days. If you remember, at the end of the summer window, Lee Johnson even explained that he wanted five new signings. Bristol City brought in four, so they almost got there. And they didn't do too badly, so we are expecting something similar again next week. Maybe not as many as three, but possibly two um, signings. And they do want forwards, at least one, maybe two. So let's see what they can do. And no doubt we'll have all the latest on all of that, plus reaction from the Reading game on Tuesday and a whole lot more from myself and another guest next week. Thanks very much for listening. Robins on the Wire.